I firmly believe you have to understand what it is that your audience wants to see. Then post that. Give the people what they want, as as the saying goes. And before and after pictures are great, but what people I find don't want to see, and I think a lot of contractors may be offended by this, but you're not selling to other contractors. You need to understand (laughs) that you're selling to your potential client base. So I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but stop posting pictures of your job site when it's in progress. Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Today on the show, I'm talking to Ryan Peden, owner of Property Projects Limited. I've known Ryan a long time, and he's one of the most forward-thinking and enthusiastic entrepreneurs that I know. Ryan has had a lifelong career in sales and entrepreneurship, and he even started five businesses in a period of five years, ranging from rental properties to retail and insurance. But the one constant for Ryan has been property projects, his design and renovation business. So in this episode, we talk to Ryan about how he used centers of influence in his network to kickstart its growth how he strategically expanded his team, his content strategy for Instagram, and even the hot topic of why you shouldn't do free estimates in your business. Check it out. Thanks, Ryan. I'm so glad you could join me on the show. Thanks for having me, Crystal. And thanks for that really nice intro. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, Ryan, I love that you came at your business from really a sales and customer service angle. And I really want to dig into that today. But maybe we could start with talking about what inspired you to start Property Projects. Sure. Well, I don't really have any formal training in as a background as a contractor. However, um, my experience with business, my formal training is there, uh, as you mentioned, with my commerce degree and all my sales experience, but I really just grew up in an environment where I was constantly building something with my father, who's a journeyman, and I always had a bit of a passion for it and an interest in home renovation and design. So when I left my previous job, which was kind of scary, because <laughs> I just walked in one day with a resignation and a hope and a dream, and that's pretty much all I had. A renovating business really just seemed to feel right to me. So that's why I got into it. Mm. And it was kind of scary because I hadn't done it before, but I wagered on the bet that I can do this and the industry needs a little more strategy, at least in my opinion here in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. Yeah. 
So for you, I know, you know, you did a business degree, Mm -hmm. you worked in sales for uh, all kinds of different jobs, even, you know, insurance and personal training and e-commerce and all these other things going on. So how did you use that in your renovations business? So a business is a business is a business. (laughs) You know what I mean by that. It's sales are sales. Get your value proposition down. What makes you unique? Approach it from that angle. Connect with your clients in, in ways that they're starving to be connected with. And it'll go from there. You will make the sales. You'll stand out. You will close the deals. And you will grow your business. Someone once said, you know, make the sale and worry about what happens next later. Right. I don't know if you should necessarily do just that. But without sales, you don't have a business. Yeah. And why do you think I find that a lot of, you know, home services businesses, renovations businesses, when they get started, they often really struggle with that sales piece. Why do you think that is? Well, the first thing is a lot of people want to feel comfortable. It is hard to start because there's references. You need to be able to give people references. And without having any actual work to reference or call upon, you need to find a way to provide that information with projects you've worked on uh, personally. You know, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. When I first started, I probably fudged a little bit. I may have had a family reference in there, uh, a friend reference. (laughs) But if you know you're going to do good work and you're going to put your best foot forward, you just need to get those clients that are going to give you the opportunity. And eventually, I can't even remember now the last time I had to provide someone a reference because they follow us on Instagram at property Mm -hmm. projects, or they have, it was a referral already from a friend or family who we've already done work for. So you get to the point where it just becomes much easier, but it definitely is a little harder to get started. You want to make sure your message is clear on what it is you can do and what it is you can do it. Once you figure that out, the sales will come, the work will come, then you just have to deliver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I really want to dig into like the Instagram side of things and like how things are going for you now, but maybe we can travel back in time a little bit here. Sure. And yeah, I guess, Ryan, so, okay, you quit your job, you started property projects. What did you do to grow the business? Like, where did your business come from at that point? Well, I'll be honest. I have a little saying, and it's, if I had known what I know now, then when I started, I would have known it would have never worked. So it's hard. And all that means is it's hard to know what you're going to have to overcome in advance because you may just quit. (laughs) but it's nice to look back and know that you did it and i think that not knowing is better than knowing when you first start what you're going to have to go through and the losses you're going to have to take and the hits you're going to have to take just to get things up and running right so what did you do when you got started to grow your business right so here's the thing selfless or shameless self promotion. <laughs> I love oh it. Oh my gosh. I probably bugged 
everybody in my network. I told everybody. I went on LinkedIn. I sent every single one of my contacts a personal message. I didn't copy paste. I sent everybody a mm-hmm. message. I sent people Facebook messages. I called everybody. I talked to everybody in my network that I was working with. I told them what I was doing. And most importantly, I reached out to anyone who I thought could be that I didn't necessarily know to introduce myself, who I thought would be a center of influence for me. And these centers right. of influence are so important because they are the people that when you connect with, they won't, you, it's not getting one sale, it's getting multiple sales. So mm-hmm. these are people designers or other contractors who can subcontract it work to you whoever has work and you can provide them with a solution that aligns with the services that you offer and it can be repeat business and that you can build a relationship with if you can get someone like that or two or three people like that to give you a chance it will get you off the ground so that you can just start doing what you do and what you love and then while that's happening, you have that business coming in and you're building and cultivating that relationship. On the other side, you still need to then start building your own plane so that you can fly. But I guess mm-hmm. if you can get your ride on somebody else's plane to get you off the ground, you can build your own while you're in the air and eventually you'll fly on your own or you can keep these relationships and, and you can just grow your business and get bigger, do more things, and have a better way and better process of, of doing the work as you grow. Right. I love that analogy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so with the your centers of influence, like how did you go about cultivating those relationships? Like once you started getting referrals, how did you ensure that you kind of kept those people in your life and kept them happy? Well, you have to understand what's important to them. If you understand what's important to them and you make it important to you, then those relationships will grow. So working with interior designers, and of course, now we've grown to a point where where we have our own interior designer on staff, but back then I never. And what's important to them, you have to listen to people. And they wanted to make sure their designs were sought through, that everything was executed in a way as close as possible to what their vision is. It was so common that I heard stories from from these people that they worked with other contractors and they wouldn't consult them if they had to change something, they would just do it and then something would be fooled up, their vision would be lost. It was a pain point. Right. Okay, excellent. I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm going to make sure that your vision comes through. And I delivered time after time after time. And if I couldn't because of functionality or technicality, anything like that, rather than just make an executive decision to change something, I would contact them. I would bring them back into the fold. I would make them feel and let them know that this is their project. And I simply want to serve them, not getting ahead of myself, trying to cut them out and speaking and and dealing with the customer directly to make decisions. That's not what an interior designer would want. So I didn't do that. And that led to more referrals, more work. I made things easy for people that could give me work. And then I got more. 
It's very simple. Right. It's just a matter of checking the ego at the door and kind of going with it and what works and remembering not to, I guess, bite the hand that feeds at some point. <laughs> but there is, it was also, I made relationships with other contractors, bigger contractors. One specifically comes to mind was a restoration company and they were doing a lot of insurance work in the residential at the time. So I got my foot in the door at a few different ones, but one relationship really grew and they just wanted a completely different experience. They wanted someone that they could trust to show up on time, do the work, be tidy and clean and make things easy for them to take some workload off of their plate because of the high volume they had. They never really had a vision or wanted to create something beautiful rather than just get the work done and get through it. So my strategy with that was to show up on time, to get the work done, to do good tidy work, be professional and understand that I was representing in someone else's company. So with these relationships, to get started, back, I mean, this is all back when we first started. That's what got me off the ground. I built relationships with people that could provide me with work. Even though I'm a general contractor, technically, in, uh, in itself, I worked for other general contractors doing work that were too mm-hmm. busy, that needed help. I found people that had struggles in the industry, but had these clients that I could still service, and I provided them a solution. That's what really got me off the ground until I could really make my own sales with a great portfolio. Until then, that, that's what worked for me. Yeah. Wow. So basically, you figured out your centers of influence. You built these partnerships, making sure to give them exactly what they needed and understand mm-hmm. their pain points. So how is growing your business different now? Like, What are you doing now to continue to grow property projects? Well, it was such a natural evolution or process of where where we come now. It was extremely difficult. One thing that I'll say that was probably key to growing is that I realized, and I do think I realized from the get-go, the key to growing was I had to focus my efforts where I was really good at. Sure, I'm an okay carpenter, but there are better carpenters. So rather than try to be a carpenter and be a salesperson and manage the company, I hired carpenters. I had them do right. I focused on the project management, the organization, the sales, and I overseen the projects. And even sometimes I forget myself and I dive in and I get my hands dirty and I start working on a project. That's probably always going to happen because sometimes I just want to get in there with the guys and work. But if I'm doing that, I'm not focusing my efforts on growth, on sales, on strategy. Mm -hmm. So that was key to growing. I had to realize that I couldn't do everything. I had to step back pass it off to other people who I trusted to do the work so that I could focus my efforts elsewhere. Then I really had the opportunity to see and carve out a niche for myself. Right now in the city, if you want to do a a high-end project, renovation for your home, 
and you have to hire an interior designer, a contractor, a cabinet company, and try to get all three of those different companies to speak to each other, well, just good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of coordination and becomes a big project in and of itself. Sure. And can you imagine being busy? Well, of course you can imagine. You're very busy as a business <laughs> owner yourself. So you're busy as a business owner. You're an executive, doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. I do get a lot of these professions as clients and others. You're busy enough. You're an expert in your profession, but you have no idea how to coordinate tradespeople and when the cabinet guy needs to speak to the contractor and how to involve the interior designer it can be extremely overwhelming the choices and everything out there so a few years ago i took another leap and i hired someone for interior design it was really hard at first but yeah. now i can't even imagine because doing this without someone like that in place when we actually work on a project now my interior designer does all of our drawings, our renderings, our cabinetry design. We still subcontracted the cabinetry build, but between an interior designer who's on staff working directly with me as a project manager and doing the cabinetry design in-house, doing the renovation design, it makes the whole process seamless. And the client is, they can kind of sit back and they can relax. They have two points of contact, which is myself and my interior designer. Organization is through the roof. The trades are happier because things are more organized. The clients are happier. We can show results. And it's funny because those clients that had a pain point before of dealing with a renovation or trying to do something are my easiest sale because they automatically understand the value that I'm putting in front of them. Right. So even before when you were partnered with interior designers, it wasn't the same because you were two separate entities. Like you couldn't get that same level of seamless experience for the client. Yeah, it was definitely a little harder because I wasn't necessarily working on every single job. There was other contractors that those people were working with. Now, it's completely inclusive. Every job of mine as a project manager is the same job of my interior designer. So there's no projects that I'm working on that she's not. There's nothing that she's doing that I'm not. We're a team, and we don't lose our focus working on projects away from each other. It's together, and it ties everything in so perfectly. Right. Cool. So now that you have an interior designer on staff and everything's a lot more seamless, what do you guys do to get more clients in the door? Well, it's recently started to happen and it's really exciting because this is my eighth year and I've been through so much. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Eight years is awesome. Good for you. Well, we did step off our Instagram game a little bit. COVID yeah, I've noticed. Kind of tripped us up a little bit because it interrupted the flow with our content. But we do have a lot of people actually coming in now saying that they follow us. They love our work. Everything that they see is beautiful. 
and they want to work with us. Or we've been around so long now that we're getting more and more referrals from people we've done work for. They've had a good and they, they come back and they tell me that they heard about our process. They heard about how we operate. They heard about how we do things, which is incredible because you strive for so long. You have this idea in your head of how you think it should be. and You work so hard. When you get to a point where people start coming to you and saying, hey, I heard you do this. I love it. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. That is probably one of the best feelings as a business owner. One of the best feelings that you can experience because it feels like you you finally you've accomplished something that you set out to achieve and the message is now out there. It's it's moving and it's it feels great. Right. A fire spreading. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh it feels good to to finally start to see some of that. But you know, you can't get comfortable. Can't let your foot off the gas. You gotta keep pushing because the second you get comfortable, that's when the pieces start to fall and it'll never fly itself. The plane's never going to fly itself completely. You're always going to have to watch it, keep your foot on the gas and, and keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like with Instagram, I think, you know, you and I were chatting a bit about this offline with, you know, more and more people shifting to Instagram. The average user is on there 29 minutes a day. It's the fastest growing social media channel in Canada anyway. With your Instagram content, I know that you guys kind of picked up on something. Can you talk a little bit about your content strategy on Instagram? Like, what do you post and why? Well, there's a couple of points I want to touch on there. First, you have to have great looking content. So when we finish a project, it's a lot of work, but we'll always hire uh, a professional photographer to go in, take pictures of our projects, and we'll stage them. So we'll go in myself, mm-hmm. my interior designer, we'll take a bunch of decor and, and items that we believe will work well with the space that we just finished. We'll go in, it takes the better part of a day. We stage the area that we worked in. We make it, she makes it beautiful. She does a fantastic job. I have to give her credit to Kirsten. For that she's our interior designer she's she's extremely talented she does a fantastic job then our photographer comes in takes pictures does a little bit of editing sends them to us for that content that's step one to have great content mm-hmm. then i firmly believe you have to understand what it is that your audience wants to see then post that give the people what they want as as the right. saying goes and Before and after pictures are great, but what people I find don't want to see, and I think a lot of contractors may be offended by this, but you're not selling to other contractors. You need to understand (laughs) that you're selling to your potential client base. So I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but stop posting pictures of your job site when it's in progress. Oh, hey, Look at this great progress today on this kitchen. These cabinets are going in. They're starting to be installed. This is awesome. It looks great to you. <laughs> I don't really care. That's not going to get the most likes. And we've tried it. And it's not. We just watched what was happening. And right. 
we always get the most likes from final polished pictures, finished kitchens, finished bathrooms, finished interiors, things that look like a million bucks that just came out of a magazine that represents our work. That's what got the most likes. So we only now post pictures. Well, I won't say, like, I'll say 98% of the time, we only post pictures of our final product. We have started to throw in a few photos of Kirsten will actually take a picture. She'll draw a beautiful render because we found this worked as well. So she'll have a, she'll hold the picture in her hand of the render of the, of the drawing that she did of the space. And she'll hold it up and she'll take a picture of that drawing with the pro, with job site in the background. Mm, I love I that. Something about that just resonates with people because they can see the picture and they can see in the same picture that we post the background, the under construction and what's happening. But the picture of the final product is still there and it looks amazing. And it kind of, I don't know if it gets people excited or what exactly it is they like. I guess I don't understand that, but we do post <laughs> pictures because, and, and it kind of gives someone something to look forward to. People, our clientele, the general people that follow us, on average, if you're not in the industry, you can't really, most of us can't picture what a space is going to look like when it's done. Yeah. And that's like the vision coming to life. You know, they see how the rendering then translates, you know, their dream kitchen or living room or whatever it is that they're working on. Absolutely. And then when it's all said and done, we take a picture of that. That's what's grown our following. It's not even a lot, but we have gotten some traction. It's starting to work. We're still new at it. So if you check us out on Instagram, we don't have a huge following. But we've started something and we think that what that works best for us. So we're going to just keep doing it and see where it brings us in and continue to watch and figure out how to evolve from there. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, be consistent in your posting, figure out what works just like you guys did, and then just keep doing that and you'll continue to grow on there. So. Kudos to you guys. That's awesome. And I think that's super valuable for anybody listening to. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully it continues to work. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, if you were to start fresh today, if you were going to start all over, what would you be doing now? How do you think more renovations companies can succeed in 2020? Well, it's it's been difficult with the current situation on a global scale with the the pandemic that the whole world has been talking about and has been affected by and and we were no exception to what's been happening this year and it just seems like everywhere you go online people are posting about how awful 2020 is and and how rough it's been and it has it's everybody's been affected we got shut down uh, outright because we work in people's homes and of course, you we just couldn't do that anymore. And so this year, specifically in 2020, it's hard. People are definitely have more concerns about cleanliness, about following uh, guidelines set out by our medical professionals, and how to keep everybody safe. So we had to implement a lot of that on our job sites. We had to evolve with what's happening right now. So we. We follow guidelines with 
we've got hand sanitizers on site. We, we practice our social distancing. If anybody starts to feel sick, we make sure that they're staying home. Mm-hmm. Wear masks, we're, especially where we're around other people. So just taking a few steps to make people feel comfortable uh, of all places in their homes was extremely important. Other than that, you just have to let people know that you're still there, that you didn't go away, because I think a lot of people out there are expecting with COVID-19 to have taken its toll on a lot of small businesses, and there's a lot of insecurity. So deliver that security. Give people confidence. Let them know you're there. Let them know you're not going away. Let them know there's procedures in place to keep them, you, everybody safe. People will still need to do work on their homes. People still need things done. That's not going to change. There are going to be some people that are going to hold off because they don't feel comfortable, and that's okay. But there's still going to, there are going to be other people that you can win their confidence in. If they're still interested and they can find you and you can deliver that message, you'll still get the work. You'll still continue to grow, just maybe more challenging for right now until we find some type of new normal, as everybody says. Yeah, that's great. So Ryan, for any renovations companies or home services businesses that are listening, what would you tell them that they should do to grow their business? To grow their business, it's, I don't know, an easy way to grow it. So I hope that if anybody's listening to this and they, they're hoping for me to give some secret to growing a quick business, I'm afraid I don't know the answer, but I do know the hard answer. And it's just the same, like I said earlier, that a business is a business is a business. It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of determination continuously pushing the same message, the same being steady with what you're saying to people, having a process, following the process, being consistent in that way and not jumping all over the place. At first, I believe that I and probably others had a tendency to say, we do all of these things because you're casting a wide net and you're hoping that you'll catch something. It could be a window job, window installation job, a deck job, a siding job, a roof job, flooring jobs, interior work. You're saying you can pretty much do everything because most of us can. But what I came to realize is that I don't really like doing exterior work. It's not my thing. Mm -hmm. And it was more difficult to focus on. So as soon as you can, Focus your efforts on whatever it is that you like best, whatever, if it's commercial or residential, if it's interior, exterior work, whatever it is that you're most interested in is the area that you'll most likely succeed because you won't despise doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that focus and discipline is difficult. It's so difficult because you're so hungry starting out. You just want a job. You need a job to make some money, to pay the bills. But as soon as you can, I'm not going to try to say don't do that 100% because we've all been there. We've all taken a job that we didn't 100% love, but we had to do it because it was a job. But as soon as you can, focus on what it is that you like. And what I like to do are interior jobs. 
I love working with my interior designer to design beautiful spaces, executing that, working with people, and seeing the excitement with our clients of them watching a space transform to something they like. Uh, most people have wanted to do something. They'll always say, yeah, we wanted to do our kitchen for so long or my bathroom for so long. We spend so much space and they'll tell you all the pain points. Listen to those and then come up with a solution and a beautiful design to deliver and they'll be happy. Just deliver. Do what you say you're going to do. Don't spread yourself too thin. All of these things. Just deliver. Make people happy. Some people may be harder than others. <laughs> it's always the way. <laughs> always the way. Yeah, there's always the client that you're just going to try and try and try, but you can't seem to make them happy. Don't let that get you down. Those people are out there. You just got to keep doing what you do and it'll be okay. Awesome. So focus on what you love. Listen to your customers and what their pain points are and deliver a solution. So how different are all of those things from running any business? Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> Ryan, if you could change anything about the renovations industry, what would you change? Oh my gosh. This is the best question so far because <laughs> this is something that I really want to, to keep the message out there. And that is ready for it? Ready for it. Stop doing free estimates. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. Take the stickers off the side of your truck just get rid of it take it down from the website stop telling people you do free <laughs> estimates because here's why when you tell somebody that you're going to do something for free it devalues the service mm. it doesn't translate the way you think it's going to translate with the clients that you want to get to anything that's free has a very low value point to your client base and it's time consuming. It eats up so much time. We used to do it and it would just eat up half of my time. I'm estimating that, but it was it seemed like forever. Then you meet with somebody, you go over the scope of work, you go over the pricing, you didn't charge for it. They've got three, four other people they're speaking to. And what happens is you're competing on price solely on price right so there are a number of there first thing that i'm doing to guard my time because we only have the same amount of time everybody has the same amount of time and you have to treat that and guard that from people trying to take that from you and, and at zero value so it was the, one of the most difficult things i did in my company and it's still hard today to do it all the time. Do you get a lot of pushback? No, absolutely <laughs> not. And that's what's so mind-blowing. So we charge for proposals. We changed our wording. We don't call them estimates. We do not call them quotes. Call it an estimate before a quote. A quote is a word used when people ask you to do something for free and has very little value to it, and you're competing on price. Those, that's what happens when people think of the word quote. An estimate right. is a little better, but it's, it's really not much. So we changed our wording. 
if someone contacts us now and they write in an email looking for a quote, I will change the subject line to proposal and send it. <laughs> and I will not say quote. I will act like they never said quote. I will put in proposal because, and then I charge for that. So I, I, t- I go back to them. I tell them our process. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to come in. We're going to consult with you. We're going to discuss what it is that you would like to do, myself and my interior designer. We're going to take measurements, and then we're going to put together a proposal for you. In the proposal, we are going to do a 3D drawing for you. So you're going to see what your new kitchen or bathroom or interior is going to look like. We're going to put together a full comprehensive scope of work, and we're going to give you pricing sit down with you and review everything in that that's going to charge and we charge not it's not a big amount it's 250 dollars plus hst so when i tell people that and i tell them what we're going to do and i'll even sometimes say it's not a quote we put a lot of effort into this we want to work with clients that want to work with us they come back at a surprising rate and say that sounds great when can I meet with you? That's awesome. And have you noticed a difference in your sales conversion since you've started doing that? Closing ratios went through the roof. Wow. What it does as well, the people that don't come back, Crystal, they're price shopping. Yeah. And if you want to start doing some nicer jobs, some more high in work, anybody who's going to flinch at $250, and then you explain what it is they're going to give for that, and you you put a little value add in there. It's not going to mean anything to them. But anybody who's price shopping and looking for quotes, 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 and they're going to hire the lowest bidder, mm-hmm. those people aren't going to help your business grow. They're going to nickel and dime you. They're going to be extremely price sensitive. Obviously, if they if they don't want to pay you to do a proposal, you're going to have more headaches. Your closing ratio is going to be low because you're going to be trying to get in the lowest price possible. And I'm not saying you go in and this allows me to put on the highest price possible. We still go in with extremely fair pricing. I'm very calculative on, on my estimates. Right. I translate that and show people how I am when I do give them an inclusive price for projects. But the sales conversation when we go back with that proposal is so different. And a lot of times, I don't even think that we're competing against other companies. Then at that point, we can show the client the value of what's, what we're offering. And it, tra- it comes through because now we are in a position where we have the portfolio to back us up. They've probably heard about us before. That definitely helps. And it's hard to go from free estimates because it's so ingrained. And you think yeah. you're going to miss opportunities by charging people for a proposal. You think your gut tells you, no, you could be missing out on something. But what you have to do is overcome that gut feeling of saying, no, I'll come do it for free. I still fall into the trap. It's so hard. And I know this. And I know the results. And I still fall into the trap sometimes. So it's hard. I get it. But if you can get past that and you can understand that your closing ratio is going to go up, that you may miss some jobs, but you will get more and it will more than compensate for the ones that you miss. Your business will grow. Everything will be better. You'll be competing against less. You'll be getting more fair pricing. Don't overprice things. Just do fair pricing. You'll get 
it's better than getting putting in a price that's too low because you're just trying to get the job. It has all these spin-off effects. And if the industry can agree to that and look at the information, the raw information and the results that come of it, we'll have a stronger industry. We'll have less time spent on doing estimates and free estimates and more time focusing on the work that we're doing for our clients. Our clients will be happier because our contractors and our designers will be putting in more effort up front to plan a project and to put something together that's going to be better executed. So the work's going to be better. Clients are going to be happier. We're going to be happier doing less work. It's going to have all of these spin-off effects. And all we have to do is come together as an industry and push past the gut instinct that's been ingrained into us to do a free estimate for fear that we're going to miss an opportunity. Yeah. I think what that does too, Ryan, is it kind of elevates your company. If I were a customer coming to you and you're going to charge me to do a proposal, I'd be like, wow, like the confidence in that, you know, you must be good if this is the approach that you're taking. Yeah. And I'm sure that it definitely uh, conveys that as well. And it definitely probably comes across as that. I probably spent less time thinking about that exact approach, but absolutely. You know, if someone is coming in and they're saying it's going to cost this, but back to what I said at the beginning, that it's not devaluing us anymore by saying we're going to do something for free and hope that we're rewarded with a job. It just kind of, it makes no sense. And it's a very Canadian, North American, American way of doing things, putting things out to tender, bidding, going with the lowest bid. I'm a firm believer that that is not the best way to grow a stronger economy, to get the best work possible. If we look at some of our European countries and different industries, I'm going outside this industry now, and I'm thinking about how certain people build things. There's a lot of high-end products out there that they don't go to tender for parts, for their mechanics, their cars, and things like that, and take the lowest bid, which is sometimes very common in North America. We go to tender. Whoever can do this for the cheapest? Well, if they're doing it for the cheapest, it's probably because there's a reason they're doing it for the cheapest, and it's devalued, and everything is that system to me. I just don't agree with. And I think that there's better ways of doing things. And all of the positive results that I just mentioned will come out of banding together in our associations and our Canadian homeowners associations, the other construction associations that are out there to lead the charge on this, to make that change for the better of their association, their members, their businesses. And we can deliver a better product if we're not spending all of our time doing free estimates. Absolutely. Awesome. This was really great, Ryan. And I'd love for people to be able to connect with you further. So what's the best way for someone to learn more about Property Project? Yeah. Well, you can check us out on Instagram. It's real simple. It's just at Property Projects. That's our handle. Um, Our propertyprojects.ca. And if you want to reach out and connect with me or my team directly, our email is renovate at propertyprojects.ca. So hopefully it's really easy for anybody to out and ask questions. We're always here to, to talk and hopefully help people. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. This was great. Crystal, thank you so much. And good luck with the new podcast. Um, hopefully, <laughs> you'll have me back when I, uh, sometime in the near future because this was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Tools. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love if you could also share this episode with a fellow contractor who is ready to get off the tools and grow their business. And if you want more leads, sign up for our email list at reflectivemarketing.com, where we share weekly marketing insights that you can't get anywhere else. I'm Crystal Hobbs, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Beyond the Tools. See you next time.